Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to another episode of Colton Classic Podcast. That's the podcast where we talk to you about two movies uh, that are thematically linked, one mainstream and one cult. This is part two of our Cat Scratch favor double feature part one was last week when we talked about tom hooper's musical film version of cats from 2019 which was universally panned and for good reason but i think you should listen to it because there's a lot of background info on the film and a lot of stuff behind the scenes and also a lot of uh opinions and uh we're all about those here so today i'm really excited because we're going to talk about a film that i actually had been planning on seeing since it was released in 2004 and had not seen until uh, this podcast recording in 2021. So that is, uh, what, 17 years uh, that I had been waiting to see this movie. And uh, it is 2004's Catwoman, directed by Pitoff and starring Halle Berry and Sharon Stone. So if you don't, I think actually, the reason this is on the cult, quote unquote, status of this movie is because I think actually a lot of millennials haven't seen this movie at this point um they were probably just a little too uh, definitely not gen y um they were they were a little too uh young for it when it came out there's so much to talk about with this movie um i'm just gonna just dive into the, the plot so of course this is indeed produced by warner brothers who owns dc comics um and it was intended to potentially start a new catwoman franchise of course ever since even before Batman Returns uh, by Tim Burton and Michelle Pfeiffer's iconic performance as Catwoman in the leather uh, stitched together suit. There was always talk of, of doing a spinoff uh, or an original Catwoman movie. Uh, it became this. Ashley Judd was originally uh, looked at to be the lead instead of Halle Berry. There are, I mean, we're talking countless iterations of this movie, uh, the script, um, production, casting, before this all came together. Um, and this is what they ended up with. Yeah, so we're going to talk about it. Um, now, I do want to say this. I'm just going to open, before I get into the plot, I often wondered, because there are there's a contingent of people that, that like this movie, um, or like, well, I liked it when I was a kid. And I kind of get that, because... I remember when um, Gal Gadot, uh, Patty Jenkins, Wonder Woman came out and I saw it and I'm like, it was a good movie, but it wasn't my favorite of the DC movies. Um, and I love Wonder Woman. I'm a huge Wonder Woman comic fan. Um, but I was a little surprised at the reaction because although Gal Gadot is great, I, there's just a lot of great things about it. Chris Pine's great. Patty Jenkins did a great job. 
it just wasn't, I thought I'm like, oh, it's kind of like an Iron Man light and or excuse me, a Captain America film light. And I was like, it's, it's a good movie. But then I realized when I saw little girls wearing Wonder Woman shirts and like carrying literally when Toys R Us before they closed, I saw this little girl carrying a stack of Wonder Woman toys and she had a Wonder Woman shirt on and a little capelet. And I'm like, oh, this is representation. This is what uh, we as straight men or, or white you know, folks have been getting for decades, more than that, hundreds of years, right? Like I am literally catered to, I do not understand what it is to not be represented. And so when a film like Catwoman came along, it's one of the rare opportunities at the time, especially for young girls and women to get like a strong female lead. So I actually get that. Um, and, and you can see similar things about the two Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider films, which I did not like. Um, they're very weak plot wise, but hey, I actually think Catwoman is probably a better version of those two, but that doesn't mean it's a good movie. We have better opportunities now. We have better references. We have Wonder Woman. We have Captain Marvel uh, with Brie Larson. There's all sorts of great things we can talk about um, beyond this. So we've moved past this. Now we can truly talk about this film called Catwoman. Now, at the time, it got panned, 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 panned from like the movie Cats, it got panned from the trailer all the way out. In fact, they pulled the trailer very quickly after it went out the first time because it was a teaser and people were like super critical of it uh, for good reason. And uh, this movie is one of those films that you're like, oh, this should have been like a TNT original like played at night on like a Friday, right? And then rerun Saturday twice in a row for some reason. Um, it, it does not feel like a big budget American release. And there's a couple of reasons for that. But at the time it was getting hated on and Halle Berry and the director Pitoff both defended it tooth and nail. I don't know if you guys remember this. They were like, it's a good movie. Like this is a really, and when you watch it, I just don't know how you can be a sane person and say, this is a good film. You can say I liked it. You can say it was fun. You could say I had a fun time making it. But to say, to try and argue that it's a good movie is, uh, it defies logic. So let's start with the plot. The plot follows none of the um, characters who portrayed Catwoman in the comics, most famously and most frequently being Selina Kyle. Um, it, it follows Patience, who is Halle Berry's character, who is like a nerdy, borderline, like, socially dysfunctional like really weirdly played um graphic designer for a uh, cosmetics company and she ends up accidentally finding out that the cosmetics company's new product line that's going to launch soon um is addictive and then when people stop using it their skin turns into they scar basically they become scarred which they call monsters but they're just scarred people i think as i'm like i don't know like how offensive that must be to people who have facial scars or god forbid acne um but that's pretty crazy that that was what they thought was the worst thing in the world um but yeah, so uh, she runs afoul of that. They don't see who she is, but they chase her through the facility and uh, she ends up getting flushed through a drainage pipe into the ocean and dies. Well, and that's they, the whole movie. So, well, you know, that was that was the fan cut. 
um, uh, floating around on YouTube, I'm sure. Um, yeah, no. And then she wakes up and we have an homage to the Catwoman resurrection scene in Tim Burton's Batman Returns. Um, but instead of all the cats coming into the alley over the broken body of Michelle Pfeiffer and nibbling on her fingers and toes in a sort of cannibalistic way, uh, we get a bunch of cats, which are adorable to see. I love seeing all the cats. I think there's like 60 cats used in this movie. Uh, circling Halle Berry as she lies on a garbage barge rock, I guess. I don't know what this is in the middle of the city, city river. Um, but she's laying there and the cats come up, they circle her. And then this magical cat uh, named, does anybody remember the name? It's not Isis, which was her cat in the, the cartoon in some of the comics. It's, it's someone else's cat. Uh, Midnight. Named Midnight, um, and, which is weird because she's not a black cat or anything, um, but it, it, they say she's a magical cat. And this cat breathes this green spirit of um, uh, basically a Bast, the Egyptian goddess Bast, we're, we're kind of led to believe, into uh, Patience's mouth. And she wakes up. And then she does like this really like uh, um, old school rendition of Othello and like runs through the streets and like um, parkours up her escape, breaks her own window. And then the next scene we get, she wakes up totally changed, totally clean, fresh face and makeup. And she's sleeping on like this floating shelf, like the equivalent of a rafter, rafter in her apartment, which... I will say is actually one of the cute touches is sometimes she'll do cat things in her apartment, which I think are the best. Like when she's on the phone, she's walking on all of the surfaces. That was actually kind of cute, right? But I digress. Anyway, she becomes this woman and then she uh, is attracted to steel shiny things because apparently that's what cats do, which is not what cats do at all. Um, I'm pretty sure whenever I drop something shiny, it, it, they want food. They don't want jewelry, but whatever. She steals jewelry, kicks the crap out of some other burglars for whatever reason. Uh, and then she goes after the people that killed her. Um, spoiler alert. Again, there are spoilers in all of these reviews, um, but I don't think spoilers ruin a movie. If it's your cup of tea, you're going to like it, whether you know what happens or not. Because you don't know how it happens. And it's a different experience hearing me prattle on about it than it is watching the movie. But uh, Sharon Stone turns out to be the big baddie. She's been using the new product line forever, and it has turned her skin into something like living marble, quote unquote. Uh, we don't really know that because there's no effect given to her or anything like that. She doesn't do a cool Iceman and suddenly become marble or something. Um, but she does have some of the best lines in the movie that are pretty frigging great, actually. Uh, I love the line where Sharon Stone, who's, she's too old to be a model now. They say she's like 45, don't they, in the comic or in the, in the movie, or is it even 55? I'm like, you're like, you're beautiful, but you're not. 40 or whatever they say you are in this movie um and uh, but anyway she's been pushed out as the model um she ends up killing her husband pinning it on catwoman and then they have a big fight after catwoman breaks out of uh uh i don't know jail whatever um which by the way she gets out of jail and i'm throwing a lot of details out there because i need people to understand how what this feels like she escapes jail by doing a cat thing of sliding between the bars, which would be more impressive is if Halle Berry wasn't a size zero. I'm like, yeah, she's just sliding through the bars. Like she could have tripped and fallen through the bars. She's emaciated in this movie. And the bars are like, you could put a twin mattress through the bars, guys. So I, I don't understand exactly. There's a lot of stuff in this. Like 
they they saw um, the minor ver the Steve Minor version of the mask, which was fantastic, and they said, oh. Uh, it lets, you know, the, the id escaping is a great like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde moment. And then they said, look, that's what it is here. But it's not because she's supposed to be coming a frigging cat. Okay, but cats don't like jewelry. Cats cannot like, I, I don't know, like, can they, can they scale flat surfaces for long periods of time? Um, there's this one moment near the end, and I'll give you guys a second, I promise. <laughs> but there's this moment, I have to get this out because I have 17 years I've waited to talk about this. Um, where she's about to be like splattered on the pavement. They're on the top floor of the big company building that we see a hundred times. And of course, because it's pit off, which we'll talk about, everything is 3D generated in the city, including the, you know, the buildings, windows, everything. Uh, we get Sharon Stone beating Halle Berry's Catwoman with a pipe. Um, not a bad scene, actually, a little brutal, but worked. Um, and she shatters the glass behind her and Catwoman is doing like the spread eagle stretch where she's got her feet and her arms spread wide to hold on and she's teetering. And this is how she gets her strength back. She lets go with her arms and pelvic thrusts her way into the air. It's the most, like, I, I literally don't, like the story was actually written for this. Um, it was created by a, a woman, uh, her, Teresa, uh, lots of people, of course, because it's a, a film by committee, which is many of the problems, um, but by Teresa Rebick, as well as John Brancato, Michael Ferris, and um, the screenplay was written by John Brancato, Michael Ferris, and John Rogers. So I don't know whose fault this was, but this was one of the many moments in this movie where the sexualization is so blatantly juvenile that it's like, it's, it's comical. Like, this is a Reno 911 Catwoman. This is not even like a playful version of Catwoman. Like, you can't, like, whose idea was it be like, oh, she's such a cat that she can pelvic thrust her way through the air. Like, that's some weird fan fiction fantasy. That's not a movie ending. Um, I'm going to go with that. So there is a love interest. Benjamin Bratt uh, plays the love interest. He does a, a good job, I guess. I mean, you know, he played Eric in Miss Congeniality and Ernesto and Coco, and, and he's, he's been all over the place. He's a great actor. Um, I don't really know he's there he is what he is i mean he's he's like there. um and we get halle berry pre-cat woman being um drop dead gorgeous with like this two thousand dollar wig um but she dresses horrendous like they like they're like oh she has to be dumpy so we're gonna put her in like as my wife said the clothes that uh uh, middle school art teacher in Santa Fe wears uh, just <laughs> just baggy like a cave woman serape that's that's neither Indian or Native American it's just just awful it's just it's the, it, it's, it's the she's all that ugly pretty it, it like is that. exactly it's not actually ugly at all um and 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 this cop is like super like thirsting for her um and I'm like and at a certain point her personality is so friggin terrible I'm just like, no one would try this hard. Like, she's not like, it's just bad. I, I didn't get it. Um, I didn't get it. Uh, we'll get into more of this. But first, I want to go, uh, Mandy, let's start with you. What was your expectation going into this movie? And what was your feeling now that you've seen Catwoman 2004? Oh, wow. I think I was expecting a different Catwoman. Uh, and I shouldn't have been we expecting something. Yeah, I wasn't. I don't, I shouldn't have been expecting <laughs> something good on this podcast. But I somehow was. We do some good it. movies. Not expecting, well, I mean, like, I thought Cats, which we did last week, was, like, kind of the bad 
her mm-hmm. one out of the pairing and that this one was going to be like, oh, the hidden gem. Like, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, they were both bad. Um, I hated this film. I just hated it. Um, it didn't feel like for uh, a movie that was supposed to be based on like a strong female lead, it didn't feel empowering or representative in any way at all um you pointed out a lot of the reason why is already in your summary um also there were just countless moments of like visualization like uh, like things that were visual in the film that just just i could see how someone would have written the fanfic or written it in this in the screenplay and then like oh that's gonna be like really cool we're gonna give her cat claws and like they're gonna be like these gloves with like diamond fingertips or like diamond claws and they're gonna be amazing and like it might sound really cool in the screenplay but then when you make the physical prop it just looks horrible and clunky and like oddly proportioned and just like not cool at all um there's like one thing where like they were at the at the end fight scene where there's like all the pictures of the villain like of like just stretched like paper yeah and like i there was a moment where like someone i don't remember if it was catwoman or someone was like punched through like the mouth of the like the picture and i'd be like i bet they wrote that in the screenplay like that it comes out like a tongue or something and grabs her like it'll be cool if it comes right through them i'm like that just looks like so dumb it looks it happens too fast and like the visual is just wrong it doesn't match it's just just dumb and it was just like every single moment or there wasn't like a single minute in this film where there was not something like that for me where it's just like that just looks wrong that just looks stupid i could see how like a fanfic writing this out would think that that description would be cool like the pelvic thrust of power like would be cool <laughs> i but want that on a t-shirt actually do it it just is horrible like it just looks bad it doesn't make sense it's cliche like it's just ugh. and then my final listening are are not we're all nodding along because this is hitting a lot of points and the last thing i will put on there that i guess just really pissed me off that it made me hate like just cemented me hating the movie so much is her goddamn open-toed boots (laughs) <laughs> yeah as, as, catwoman, as catwoman what we want are painted toenails that's um that's what we want and 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 you get to the point the fashion and props in this are pretty horrendous and it's not even i mean so everyone rev- the outfit was reviled like everyone hated the outfit from day one um if you look now it is it sexy sure it's it's like it's like um it looks like it would be right at home, minus the headpiece, uh, in uh, Destiny's Child's Survivor music video, right? Like it's this, and this movie. The problem too is this movie felt dated when it came out in two thousand four. It felt like it was supposed to come out in nineteen ninety eight or nineteen ninety nine, uh, but it didn't. Um, and that goes right into the music. The music is like, it, it felt it felt five years old already. Um, it's just like these bad like by the numbers r and b numbers like over and over again that had like no they had, they had no escalation they didn't serve the scenes like it really felt rough um but the outfit that that catwoman eventually arrives at 
which we don't know how. We don't know where she gets the outfit. She actually has a much better outfit for like one scene. It's just a black leather, like a fitted jacket and black leather pants and like closed toed high heels. And then she gets like the classic, um, you know, the Robin, the domino face mask, um, which she immediately gives back, <laughs> puts back on the shelf after that scene and then gets this atrocious 90s superhero costume. Like the kind of thing where, if maybe if it had been on one poster for like a, a Givenchy ad for a perfume, like in, in like the nineties, people would have been like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Like ha superhero perfume. I get it. But then you put it in a movie and you're like, Oh, the pants have like these rips all over the legs, but of course you can't actually have rips. So you have um, you, you have a, a nude illusion tights underneath, but of course they didn't even bother to match the tights with her natural skin tone all the time. And then, and her helmet, her cowl, it, I don't know why it was made so big because that wig is not her hair. So you could have made it tighter, but it looks like she's literally storing like a 357 Magnum or two <laughs> underneath this helmet because it makes her head look giant, like a gray alien or something. It's just massive. And as you said, the gloves, again, it's a cool idea. And they've done it in the comics where she essentially has diamond tip claws so she can like cut open windows with her claws or she can scratch people. But in this, they're basically a Lady Gaga prop that someone tried to recreate from what they could get at Michael's. Like it's just... It's just, um, you know, thumb or those those uh, thimbles. It's just thimbles on the pointed thimbles on the ends of her nails that they've um, bejeweled, <laughs> and and then for the tip that's a diamond, they use a little quartz raw quartz rod that protrudes out. It it's real bad looking, and she struggles with it to act. Like you can tell, they don't look like claws. They look really dull. And then when you see one once, which by the way, Benjamin Bratt's character is a cop, and he he. This is this this had me like both laughing and crying at the same time, like doing that heaving thing when so they sleep together as a couple of attractive people do when they're into each other. And she's asleep on the bed. Uh, he doesn't know she's Catwoman. Catwoman is being blamed for murdering someone she didn't murder. And he sees one of the claws on the ground, this little cone with a jewel. He picks it up. And unlike anyone else who would be like, hey, this is clearly a broken earring or something, because that's what it looks like. He pockets it and takes it to the magical lab that they have in this uh, in this precinct. And yet, yet that doesn't matter. He doesn't use that to clue in that she's Catwoman, really, because he also stole a tumbler, a glass from her apartment with her lipstick on it. And Catwoman had given him a kiss and they use the supercomputers to see that the lipstick on his cheek and the lipstick on the rim of the glass are the same. That's how we know she's Catwoman. Because it's not even, it's not that the lipstick is the same. It's the lip print shape the, that's the uh, same. Like it was like a fingerprint, but like her lower lip. So I just bad. Like, Which that's how I lock my house actually, <laughs> is I have my, my lip lock that I kiss. Yeah, yeah that's how right. it lets me in. That's the thing. Right. I could see that. I could see someone at DC doing that just to fuck with people. You know, like Batman probably has some weird biometrics to get into the Batcave. Sure. And Catwoman's just like, Mwah, and gets in the door. Like, I could yeah. totally see them doing that. And I, I just don't know. Like, it's just, it's it's defies, as you said, Mandy, every scene has something that's supposed to be cool, but feels, it feels like um, someone who hasn't yet, like, if a teen wrote fan fiction, you'd read this and go, 
oh, I get what they're trying to do, but they just haven't had any life experience. Like you can't, you can't have right. sex this way, right? Like it's just, it's one yeah. of those moments. And that's this whole movie. <laughs> and, and the movie seems to do things like it does things because other movies have done them, not because they make any sense in the plot. Um, I think we talked about that with like Wing Commander when we talked about 1999's Wing Commander movie, where it's like, I get it. And if I didn't think about it for two seconds, I would have just moved on to the next scene. But because I, I think about it like a human does when stimuli enters my eye sockets and my ears, like I then see all the holes and it just, it, it blows the mind. And again, touching on the costume, the pants are fake ripped, right? And then she has this, I thought she had from the poster, she had like a leather bodice. No, it's like, it's a leather sports bra with like two straps that look like they have like gun, big like grenade gun bullets on them, but she doesn't have any guns or anything. So I don't know what that's for. It's also not where she keeps her whip because God knows where she keeps her whip because we never see it on her body, I don't think. Um, well, we do sometimes. Like it seemed like it was almost like on a belt, which like you a don't belt? see okay. on thing. Because in some scenes, it almost looked like her whip was like a cat tail. Like sometimes, like which was I was like, oh, that's actually kind of a cool and and Catwoman in the comics thing maybe has a whip, you know. Um, but basically, she's just in a little bralette, um, uh, and and super low rise pants. I mean, these low rise pants, which they focus on for a huge amount of the film, uh, are very low rise and Halle Berry is a beautiful woman. So no shame on that, whatever. Somebody could wear this down the street now. I'm sure Kendall Jenner's got something she's trying to do just like this, or somebody's trying to give her whatever. Uh, hey, Kendall, um, friend of the pod, I don't know. Uh, and, but what I, what I, what shocks me is the turn of the movie went from in the first like third, I actually was like, okay, this is stupid, but I could see this appealing to like, 12 to 14 year olds, uh, especially young girls. I can like, oh, this is, she has the, a fun best friend. She has an over the top gay coworker that's like super offensive now. Even if he's, I don't, I'm not familiar with the actor. Um, even if he's actually a gay person, it's like an offensive portrayal <laughs> to me. I know I'm straight, but as an ally, I feel like I have to call out that portrayal because it's like the most, um, as uh, David Rakoff said, a gay writer, brilliant gay writer and, and uh, actor said he only ever gets to play, I think, two roles. One was, uh, in his words, Fudgy McPacker and like Oldie McJew or something. And and like, and this was definitely the first one uh, that this guy was told to play. But she has, a, but Halle Berry's patience has a fun best friend who is a great actress and actually had some fun like best friend energy. Of course, she's a little heavier um, than her because all best friends can't be beautiful um although she's not an ugly person alex borstein is her name uh and she she's a great actress i really liked her um she she plays uh in case anybody's interested she's the voice of lois griffin in family guy um so she's certainly doing well and i'm very happy she's a she's a great actress uh as with many people in this movie you see great talent put to zero use um, but the first third of this movie, I'm like, okay, they're setting it up for this audience. I kind of get that. I can see that. Maybe that's why this movie was panned because it's just a little too childish for the audience that was hoping for it. But then as soon as she, she gets resurrected, the sexual like imagery and uh, sexualization, which again, we talk about this with cats, cats are considered very feminine very, and very sexual. Like they're slinky. Um, you know, they have litters of kittens, like, I don't know, that, that's just the, 
the stereotype. So I get it, but it's it doesn't fit with the first part of the movie, number one. And number two, it's very much male gaze based to a point where it's actually feels like kind of derogatory. I'm thinking particularly of when they show Halle Berry's character playing one-on-one -on -one basketball, which apparently she's good at because she's a cat. Um, before she understands her change. I, and I actually literally almost vomited during that scene. It's so bad. She like presents like a cat in heat. Like literally, I'm not trying to be like, just, but that's like what they wanted it to be. She bends over and literally shakes her bum. There's no, there's no argument at, about that. At Benjamin Bratt's character. And here's the thing, <laughs> here's the thing. Like, cool, whatever. In front of children. Children. I'm like, is, <laughs> is this police officer gonna get fired? Like she's, she's, dry humping this guy in the middle of a police kids like meeting like he's a police liaison to this kids class his middle schoolers this is 2004 things were different back then oh totally totally it's it's real bad and she literally leaps on him and like collapses on him and then um and then she says to her friend i almost jumped him and she's like yeah that's lust like but i'm like that's a huge turn from the beginning of this movie in the setup and here's the worst one i know i've talked about um what did you call it mandy the um the 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 power thrust or something i forget i don't even know her, the pelvic power thrust pelvic power thrust yeah I, I know you mentioned that this this was the worst when catwoman has been put in jail not prison it's just a county jail at the moment she sneaks out and she leaps out a window and she lands in like the superheroine pose you know like um with one hand on the ground or whatever and her feet and she's crouched and this jaguar this big black jaguar car like screeches to a halt and thumps her in the butt and we get a view from the front of halle berry bent over getting rammed in the bum with a jaguar and then she turns <laughs> around and caresses the jaguar emblem i'm like what sick like are we are we like in some sort of is this did did the rating association piss pit off off and now he's trying to put in every weird sex metaphor he can on screen just to get him back it was it was upsetting i would have been like again the fan the, the fan fiction and someone put it in a screenplay and it like sounded cool that oh, is how man. you do like, product when placement. it's actually <laughs> on the screen it is deeply yeah. upsetting yeah. and that's just you, not right. That's how you do product placement. I gotta go rush yeah. out and buy the Jaguar oh, it, that fucked Halle Berry. Yeah. In like, more than one, one way, it was placed, for sure. I, mean, I still want to eat Carl's Jr. to this day after... Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, I'm eating. Mm. Okay, so that was the most upsetting scene to me. And we have tons of others. She lands, she like writhes on top of people when she defeats them, like to get them to say, like it's very sexualized. I mean, I get, as you said, Mandy, on paper, I get it. She's she's now this sexy, powerful character, but it feels, it feels, as you said, it's not empowering for women. It feels um, derogatory and, and sort of predatory to women. Like it, she becomes, she doesn't become her own creature. She becomes a sex object. It's weird. And I think it missed the, it missed it on all levels. Um, you know, I'm reminded of uh, now disgraced Joss Whedon's um, 
leaked script for Wonder Woman that of course didn't get made and people ripping on it because it had one of those scenes where uh, the character like collides into her boobs that we get in anime all the time. And it's just that kind of mentality that's, yes, it's much, it's much more on our minds now. And so we're aware of it when we watch something like this, but this is so overt, no one was missing this in 2004. Um, we also, I didn't even mention, and, and we'll get in, I only asked Mandy so far about how she feels about this movie, um, but we do get a ton of CGI. And there- Only my opinion counts in this movie. Uh, that's true, I, I, I could probably keep my mouth shut and be okay. Um, but Pitoff, so people aren't familiar with Pitoff except for this movie. And I do think it's kind of unfortunate. I mean, he really went after um, critics of this movie, like really trying to defend this movie. I kind of get why, but for those who don't know, speaking of Joss Whedon, he worked on Alien Resurrection and visual effects. Um, he is a fantastic visual effects maker. Like actually, I mean, he worked on um, uh, uh, City of Lost Children, uh, one of my favorite films of all time with Ron Perlman from 1995. Uh, he worked with Luke Besson a bunch. He worked on Delicatessen in uh, special effects. He worked, uh, uh, I said Alien Resurrection. Uh, I mean, he's, he worked on uh, um, The Messenger, uh, the Joan of Arc Luke Besson film um, with Mila Jovovich. Like just really, really good visual effects. So I totally understand how he got this pitch. Like how he got this idea makes total sense to me. I would not have expected him to do such a poor job with this film. And it really did incredibly destroy his credibility in the US market. Um, he, he does still work on, vis work on visual effects um, and he still does some directing. Um, it's just really, really rough. And it's really unfortunate because he's such, so good at visual effects that to have a movie your first movie be sort of hamstrung already because Warner Brothers will never let anyone off the hook when they make movies about DC Comics. It's still happening today. Um, but I, I just don't know. Like, I mean, he made a lot of mistakes and, 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 uh, and the shows. So I do recommend people check out Pitoff's earlier works. Um, and some of his later works fine, like his visual effects works, but check out um, his movie before this. Uh, I believe it's French, right? Isn't, isn't he French? I, I could be completely destroying You're that. Correct. Um, yeah. But uh, yes. So technically, French. this is a French film, which means I hate it. So, and there are, I mean, I love Luc Besson. He's one of the greatest filmmakers of all time, in my opinion, and he's done some amazing work. And uh, so French cinema can do science fiction-y stuff quite well, and they can do visuals quite well. Um, I just mentioned City of Lost Children. This is not one of those cases. This is maybe if it had been a French production fully in France, I, don't, I just don't know what hurdles cause so many things to be wrong. Um, before I get into the actual acting problems, uh, I'm gonna throw it to you, Greg. Greg, had you seen this movie before? Uh, yeah, I had. Um, I watched it because I had heard it was, I mean, fucking terrible. So I was like, I have to, I have to see it. I have to. <laughs> um, and so rewatching it again, um, it definitely didn't age better. Um, <laughs> I mean, I didn't think it was as bad the first time, but on the second watch through, you know, since I, I knew the beats, I knew where we were going. Um, it was, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Um, I wasn't even sure what to start talking about. I mean, we touched on Alex Borstein. Um, I thought she was fucking hysterical. Um, I, she is. She's a good yeah, she, she was. She was. She was one of the few nice parts of the film. Mm -hmm. um, I loved how um, how hot she was in it. Like, yeah, she's like, like she's literally like, she's like just 
swinging <laughs> yeah. across the stage like so, yeah her Catwoman. um yeah and like i mean i would have liked that movie more um mm. i loved that she has this bit with benjamin bratt's character where like she's like oh like tie me up officer or whatever and like puts her wrists out like yes, crossing them so at him great. and and he doesn't he like like everyone kind of laughs but you see him like look for a second and i'm like i think that he's like oh i showed up here to hit on this kind of nerdy like black woman that i'm pseudo into but if that doesn't work out i will 100 percent get down with this kinky co-worker throwing herself at me yeah um, no, so that was a, like that was a moment long, i'm like did benjamin <laughs> yeah. bryant and alex borstein really hook up like is this some hot goss on the back yeah. end like what's happening um, we did we you, you talked about this with cats um so i'll i'll make the same joke of i don't know what white person had a fucking problem with halle berry <laughs> and i'm looking on the costume designer this dude angus strathy um did deadpool did moulin rouge so obviously he knows how to put together a costume apparently he's never put a costume on anyone of color in his fucking life because this movie really shows it um, and then her makeup is a black woman, Norma Hill Patton, but her hair was Barbara Lorenz, a white woman that really showed throughout the whole film. <laughs> um, so, and someone told Halle Berry, so Catwoman is just Harvey Dent, your split personality, and that's your character. Yeah. And there's no middle ground and it's very two dimensional. And she, she did what she could with that. Um, I, I decided to fall on the only, the only review I want to give of this film is for all the nerds out there talking about, um, I did some research, the Mohs scale of mineral hardness, um, which is a one to a 10. And at one, we have talcum powder, often known as baby powder. At 10, we have diamonds, which you may remember uh, we've discussed. Uh, her nails are diamond tipped, supposedly, in this film. Um, and the villain calls her, uh, what, living marble? Marble yeah. is a three. Is a three <laughs> on this fucking scale. I get, I get the idea. Marble's very beautiful. We use it on countertops. It looks nice. But it is a three. So somehow that was, that was the pinnacle. Um, an, another great example of movie writers saying something that, yes, oh, like my skin is living marble. Oh, how cool. Like, like her skin's hard as fuck. It's as hard as marble and it's beautiful like marble. But then you get into the science of it and it makes no fucking sense and it's stupid. And you're pulled out for the rest of the film and you're like, you know what? I don't care. I don't fucking care. Um, so yeah, that's the most scale of mineral hardness. And I will give this film a marble out of 10. So it is a three. Um, well, you're right on point. IMDb's <laughs> aggregate score, which is often a little wonky, to be fair, is a 3.1 yeah. out of 10. So, uh, but but more, more, a little more seriously, um, I really wish Sharon Stone had had some kind of horrific transformation. Mm -hmm. I really agree with you on that point of they're like, yeah, these people have some facial scars and now they're hideously unfuckable monsters, which yeah. of course, yeah. for any woman to not be the sexual object of a yes. man, like that's, that's monstrous. So, but like, why, why didn't Sharon Stone have some classic Batman transformation where at some point her skin fucking peels off and she looks like she's made out of out of mineral straight from the earth but you know she's still gorgeous but she's clearly inhuman like why didn't we get yeah that so I totally agree and I think and and I think um I could be wrong I think Kim Smith is the one that plays um the model that is taking uh, both her husband's attention and the <laughs> role of main model of the yeah um of the company and here's just the thing Again, Pitoff is a visual effects designer. He knows this stuff, right? Yet, 
this is how we get the we get one bad picture of kim smith to be the new model a bad picture and it is the only image of her she's in the movie very briefly but it's the only image of her the company's using there's literally a shot of a desk with like 30 to 40 prints of that same photograph spread all over it there are no other images also none of the images are branded with the name of the company or the product it's just this these ideas are so confusing because it's just the lack of attention to detail which is it just makes me think Pitoff was just incredibly out of his depth with this movie because i think he just has never worked in women's products in his life <laughs> very possibly i mean i'm sure i'm sure but also i don't think anybody who wrote this movie worked in women's oh yeah either because, <laughs> because really it was like a statement that one photo of a model looks like every other photo of a model <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, um, i will get- Nate, to your credit, I will. I, sorry, since you brought it up, I will say, yeah, the CGI. I was kind of shook at how well I thought it, it held up. Which again, just have one lighting person on the team who's like, "Hey, CGI is not going to last forever. Let's get some dark shots going." Yeah. And I and I and trust me, it'll be good in twenty years. It'll be good enough. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and the CGI. Like, if if people remember. Um, Blade 2 CGI fight scene, the WWE Slam fight scene, which I actually really love. Um, it, it was the closest. I thought of got. Blade 2 a lot. Yeah, while I was watching this well, movie. And, and yeah, it's it's, it's uh. that era of of CGI. But again, it's done well. One of the differences is Guillermo del Toro made Blade 2. He understood so much of what you needed. We have huge, like when you need to see the actual person or when you need to have the extra work put in to have that 3D model get up and be the actual actor, that transition. So it's not just a cut, a cut, a cut. We don't get many of those in Catwoman. We get her being fully CGI for 30 seconds and then a scene change and her being Halle Berry. The CGI on Halle Berry though, for the movements, it's actually quite good. Uh, I still think, I mean, this is 17 years old and I've seen worse now. Um, we just watched Cats, for God's sake. Um, you do see it not hold up. And this is, again, the attention to details in the building CGI. The building and the big aerial shots um, of those, it does not hold up because it does not have the detail that her 3D model did. And, oh, 3D uh, animators want to focus on uh, something that has uh, large breasts and a bum? Big surprise. And not a building. Yeah, I get it. Uh, but still. Um, I don't know. I had problems with her, like, the CGI of her like crawling all over the walls, like in the bank, the uh, the yeah, the uh, jewelry heist, the jewelry scene. when she heist, yeah. And I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And that's what I really thought of Blade too. Which but, again, a well lit yeah. scene oh, with CGI yeah. from twenty years ago. And, and the choreography of that was actually yeah. better than anything else yeah. in the movie, in my opinion. Like, you actually, they say, "Oh, she does capoeira," in like the that was all in the press. Like, she fights with capoeira. I'm like, "Yeah, that's capoeira," but you know, she's not doing that. I'm like, I mean which is fine. Uh, it is what it is. But I was kind of surprised because I got we got an actual like fight scene in that scene. And then later fight scenes, I'm mean, the one with Sharon Stone's okay choreography sometimes, but like the one where she fights like the henchman guy who actually like shot at her when she before she died. Like, it's awful. I mean, it is straight up bad direct to video like she slashes at the camera with like these really bad cat claw, like holding her hand. Like it looks like it, it looked like a, it looked like if Lady Gaga during her um, pause up phase had gotten really sick and was trying to do it, but didn't have the energy. Like that's what it looked like over and over again. And we got those directly to the camera. Like that's something that you better 
fucking be Sam Raimi to try some shit like that uh, because he'll do what he can to make it work <clears throat> after the fact and to think it through. It did not work in this at all. Um, also, let's just say she's a cat and they talk about the claws. They do the claws, all this stuff. She scratches people, whoop de doo But like, can we talk about the fact that when they have sex, the obligatory cat scratch that she's given him on his back is three little scratches. I'm like, guys, look, I don't want to talk about personal life stuff, but you, you don't have to be a cat for that to happen. That's somebody with a hangnail. Like that was the most ridiculous. I was just, so, it was so underwhelming. Um, I do want to mention, I said Sharon Stone has some great lines. Sharon Stone is actually fucking brilliant in this movie um you should have just given she should have been the lead character i don't care if she's catwoman or not i love catwoman but just make it something else if you're not going to make her catwoman because she's uh she's like this jilted older woman who's still beautiful but is being shoved aside in all ways by her idiot husband whatever um but she's got these great lines like she shoots benjamin bratt's character the cop at the end when he finds out the truth and gets him the shoulder and she goes to finish him off. And he's like, you, trust me, you don't want to kill a cop. And she's got this great line that's like, I'm a woman. I'm used to doing things I don't want to do. And like that, I'm just like, did she ad lib that? Because really like that it has a self-awareness that the rest of the script does not have at all. Like a true lack of understanding of, 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 of any sort of gender identity. It's it's so offensive to women that I feel like it's also offensive to men just because we're the same species and the knowledge that we've done something so horrible is bad. Like, it's just real rough. Um, Tad, you've seen this movie quite a few times. What was your take watching it this time? Let me take you all back because we probably have some listeners who either are too young or may have experienced the early 2000s in a way different from the rest of us. This was an era where comic book films were still kind of trying to figure out their identity. We were still four years away from the MCU. And uh, the best movies that we had at this point were Blade, Blade 2, and the Spider-Man films. Oh boy. And you know what? I think we should do Hellboy now because Nathan, I have some very different opinions about Hellboy I know, now. I know you do. That's why we haven't um, done Hellboy. Yeah. Uh, continue. So, oh, so I remember in this era specifically, we were coming off of the, the majesty that was the original Spider-Man and how right. mastercraft it was. The special effects were on point. The acting was fantastic. The casting was great. The scripts were great everything came together and we went oh wow are we actually gonna really start seeing like other characters get the same treatment those sam raimi spider-man films by the way are the only superhero films that martin scorsese likes yes famously and saying that that marvel the mcu films and there's a lot of merit to this although i think it's too harsh he's saying that they're just you know set pieces or something like that they're not films they're just paint by numbers anyway he's, continue. he's, he's got a point honestly yes. um but we'll, we'll have to get to that some other day um i distinctly remember this coming out after the uh after the era of daredevil punisher and uh probably something else that i'm i can't even think of at this point but i recall recently watching <laughs> 
And this is one of the reasons why I accidentally watched Catwoman again. Um, YourMovieSucks.org, um, someone that I do enjoy listening to once in a while about film criticism, uh, pointed out that Daredevil and Catwoman are almost the same film. Yep. And Daredevil was one of those films where I was just happy to have a Daredevil film when I was younger. And then you realize that, holy shit, this is garbage. It had a lot of, and I say it all the time, there was so much meat and there was so much <clears throat> promise that was just mishandled. And it is one of the reasons why I will rip on Mark Steven Johnson to this day, because not only did he destroy Daredevil, but then he moved on three years later to destroy my favorite character of all time and made a Ghost Rider movie that was basically Daredevil. Basically, he just made Daredevil with he a did. flaming head. And it it just it, it's a trend that kept going on. And I, which, I which is a film I still love, despite being well aware of its questionable it, it inherent massive flaws because it has Nick Cage. Because if it weren't for Nick Cage, that movie would have absolutely been sure a waste of goddamn time absolutely. and money. Yep. Um, and that's not saying anything about the sequel, which had Much even better. more promise. It was better, kind of like the way that I felt that Punisher Warzone was better. Which but, is I mean, ridiculous. We will fight about that someday, by the way. We will fight it. about it. Anyway, <laughs> but it's the, it's the same beats. And as a matter of fact, the more when I watched this movie, Sharon Stone's character almost was like the antithesis of watching John Travolta in a Punisher movie basically sleepwalk. It was the worse than sleepwalk. It was... Like, I don't want to be here, but you guys paid me money to be a businessman villain. Like, he, it's, what the fuck? Well, okay, you're talking about Punisher. To be fair, though, we also got the Russian, and we had Rebecca Romaine as the mouse. So anyway, moving on. No, I agree with you, though. This this is one of those, and it is the era. And I want to say, I actually really like the um, uh, Thomas Jane Punisher um, and, and that came out the same year as Catwoman. And I think that they're important to talk about because the Thomas Jane Punisher, it actually was an attempt to do the comic book incredibly close to the, like the film incredibly close to the comic book. Whereas, only $30 million. Right. Well, and Catwoman was the exact opposite. We're going to make a new character because this character of Patience is not in any of the comics. There was one comic that came out, which was a movie adaptation of this film and it did so poorly that dc was like no we're not bringing them in because they do that they harley quinn famously was not from the comics she was created for the batman animated tv show and then she was so popular that they brought her into the fold into the comics um that was not the case with catwoman but that's one of those cases and they both had their problems but catwoman seriously failed on a on a on a huge scale um because not only did it not give the audience who are fans of catwoman the things that they like any sort of like semblance of similarity with the comic characters they also didn't give them a good new narrative so i just don't understand the logic um so i that's wonder my, that's that's my point nate i think the reason that i can't talk about this movie is because a lot of the comic book movies for of those that of that mold were literally what scorsese was talking about mm -hmm. paint by numbers trash music largely trash cgi trash story you didn't, trash you didn't like the uh you didn't like the single that came out from this movie by hoobastank yeah it's an audio podcast people can't see you shooting yourself in the i don't i don't care my but, silence says it all it, yeah so so anyway 
Um, I, I think we can move on to recommendations here. I will say this for Catwoman. I'll start. Um, Tad, you kind of hit it on the head. It is of the era of superhero movies where the first thing that every single producer wanted to do was change the origin story uh, and then change the costume and then basically do everything they can to alienate um, all of the people that were the ones that were gonna go watch the movie, uh, thinking that they would then create some sort of new IP, uh, which they, intellectual property, which they certainly didn't. Um, it's known as a failure. Uh, I, I just, I also, I'm, I'm just, I'm mad at the movie in general, because you, you brought up Mark Stevens Jones' Daredevil. Daredevil did a lot of things wrong, but weirdly enough, I feel like everyone was actually cast right um, for Daredevil. And this one, Halle Berry, she does a, I'm gonna just, my opinion, she does a very bad acting job on all counts. Um, they have her do things like hiss, they, they have her do this really weird um, breast first, like chest first, pelvis first walk um, everywhere. Like, so it's so ridiculous. Like walking up to Sharon Stone during a battle, it's just, it's crazy ridiculous. Then they have her like um, jerk her head around in a way that I'm like, that's not a cat behavior. Like she cocks her head all the time. I'm like, this is all bird stuff. You know, natural foe of the land cat. Like these are not, these are not cat things um, that, that you're doing. And she does them a lot. And then you get the over-sexualization, you know, um, lots of shots of her running towards the camera in that bralette. Uh, and I mean, I'm all for sexualization when it's the intent and when it's the right product. You know, some products are built on sexualization, men and women, and that's totally fine. I have no problem with that industry. I have a shelf full of movies behind me that speak to that. In this case, trying to pander to a young audience, especially, and then say you're having a strong female lead and then turn around and give them essentially a subjugated flat representation of a sexualization of sexualized woman. It's, it rubbed me the wrong way. Um, that said, I know people who like this movie who are intelligent people. This movie is, I think, watchable. The pacing is not abhorrent. Um, there are shining moments like Alex Borstein and Sharon Stone. Um, it's just disappointing because, and I think Mandy was getting to this, every single scene has a disappointment because you can sense the promise in it and then it fails to deliver. So. And you also have weird shit that just didn't, in 2004 wasn't a thing like um, handwriting analysis. Fascinating idea, no longer used by the police in, in great majority because it's not, it's not based on science. It's based on a, a bunch of concepts that are, are, have not panned out as, uh, <laughs> as regularly as they hoped. So to have that as like, it's just, it's just lazy writing. Do something new. If you know it doesn't work anymore, just do something new. Don't have him match the lip print. Like that's the stupidest thing ever. If you didn't match the lip print, then you could probably tell it was friggin' Halle Berry underneath the one half cowl she's wearing. Um, she's the only black person in the movie for Christ's sakes. Um, but anyway, moving along from that, um, I, I won't even mention the problem I have with the fact that the art department, she has to, the printer she has to deliver her late thing to is actually at the the biological warfare lab where they make their face cream like because that makes sense right um let's go do that at the water treatment center you know let's have our coffee break in the morgue like yeah it doesn't make any sense um but is it watchable sure is it a good bad movie 
actually, yeah, I do think you can have some fun with a group of people uh, like Cats watching this movie. Maybe even more so than Cats because Cats is kind of loud. There's a lot of sound uh, going on all the time because it's a musical. Catwoman is just a regular movie. You know, if it's playing it at midnight on, as I said, TNT or USA Network equivalent, whatever, um, you could put it on. It's 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 got the same level of quality and people are going to hate me for this as an episode of CSI. Go for it. You know, uh, you've got just I'll, as much pseudoscience uh, going on. You might I'll as well go for up. it. Uh, but anyway, so that's my recommendation. Greg, would you recommend Catwoman 2004? If so, why and to who? Uh, no and to nobody. Um, that's, <laughs> that's pretty easy. Um, I actually just rewatched um, Kick-Ass recently. So as my usual mm-hmm. thing. Um, Kick-Ass, uh, it, it, it's okay. But if you want like a good, bad, like superhero movie with like a, a major woman character i mean she's a young girl but there you go um i mean fuck go see um go see the emancipation of harley quinn birds Birds whatever the full title was um crazy fucking title really good really good movie um like you said i mean i think we're a long way away in some ways not in others from uh 2004's catwoman um and there's much better women-led superhero films um so yeah, if, if you and some friends are writing your doctorate on the evolution of women in superhero films, sure, watch this. Otherwise, watch something else. Yep, I think that's sound. Uh, how about you, Mandy? Would you recommend Catwoman? If so, why and to who? Uh, no, no. And I think it should be erased from the record of filmography. <laughs> no. <laughs> Of course, like like all people who work together, um, we have a group chat, uh, uh, text messaging chat uh, for this podcast as we go through our week uh, before we get to connect to record these episodes. And Mandy's uh, usually pretty chill, but I loved that uh, this film, there were several others that have happened, but particularly this film, Mandy was uh, personally attacked, I think, by, <laughs> by the existence of this movie. And I get it. I, I, I get that I don't get it because I'm not a woman, but I get that just the sheer quality of presentation. And we didn't even talk about some of the stuff in this movie, like the cat, crazy cat lady who has a bunch of cats and just, is, like I, I don't even understand. It almost feels like a pilot for a TNT show. I, I felt like, I, I yeah, I felt like she was the most like accessible of the characters. Or, yeah, because like, she was just like, a normal lady who liked cats. I was like, crazy cat lady house. Awesome. I'm down. Yeah. I did enjoy seeing out. all the cats. And we do have a lot of cats. Have we also pee. get CD, CGI cats, which are not as good as the CGI Halle Berry. Um, but mm. I get it. Cats are hard. They actually are hard to train and work with, unlike dogs. Cats always need a treat every time. It's not even a joke. That's a fact, apparently. Um, so I get it. And they had like 60-something. Interesting fact, too. Halle Berry actually uh, adopted one of the cats that she worked with on the set, which I think is actually really cute. Um, so Very nice. Uh, I, I love it. Um, I guess there's a rumor as well, just to throw this out there, that, that Michelle Pfeiffer was asked to reprise her role when they were working on when they were working on greenlighting a Catwoman movie, and she said no because the costume was really uncomfortable. I think that's bunk. Um, I think probably at most she was asked if she would do Catwoman again and said no, the costume was really uncomfortable. I highly doubt that in 2004, DC was willing to pay for Michelle Pfeiffer and was willing to put a movie out with someone that was. Uh, any older than Halle Berry was at this time uh, as the lead. I think that that's, that's trivial. Now, if they were looking to make one in like 1995, 
maybe they would, maybe they did reach out to her, but I, I think that that's bunk. Tad, would you recommend Catwoman 2004? And if so, why and to who? So I'm going to preface this with, Nate, you made a statement earlier and I, and I disagree with it um, about the best friend because there's April O'Neil and then there is Irma, which is the, patric the patrician's choice in women. Um, and I basically, my point is I disagree with this movie and no. Yeah, I, I will always be an April O'Neil <laughs> Uh, lover. I'm sorry. I'm with Donatello in the 2002 CGI Ninja Turtles. April was amazing. And when you see, and when you're a kid growing up and you're just, uh, you're not even understanding, but you're just experiencing hormones for the first time. <laughs> and you have a newscaster who is in a banana yellow bodysuit, unzipped halfway down her chest. And that's with white go-go boots and, uh, and quarter, three quarter sleeves. And that's her work outfit. That's and the best. And the best part is, I'm pretty sure they had ratings problems even with her on the channel. That's fucking harsh. They, they. I mean, the, the show did amazing at the time. But I mean, that's that literally is like, it's one of those moments. Like, oh, I know a whole bunch of things in my personality, problems and preferences and good things in my life. All of them are tied back to that yellow jumpsuit. Um, I don't know who designed that. I claps to you for 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 severely steering an entire generation of people's thinking on on sexuality but anyway uh yeah so that's catwoman guys catwoman 2004 um i know you guys have been wanting this one thank you so much for listening as always please rate us uh maximum score five stars ten stars whatever it is where you get your podcast listen to us any podcast place write reviews wherever you get your podcast that's what helps people find us because it makes the uh, podcast site recommend us to other people also tell your friends word of mouth is great we love it in fact if you tell your friends and your friends write a review tell us and i'll send you something cool i'm not even kidding uh thank you guys so much write us at cult and classic podcast at gmail.com said tad your hate mail uh marriage proposals he's already married so you know whatever uh but i mean so with sean mulaney you know you could be olivia Ma, i don't know whatever uh i'm just kidding don't break up his marriage it's not gonna work um <laughs> point being send us stuff we love you if you have a film you want us to review whether it's yours or not let us know we'll be happy to take a look uh and thank you so much we are going to be back on Friday with a mini-sode and then back next Tuesday with a brand new pairing of cults and classic podcast films. Thank you so much. And to play us out, as always, is The Chud with their song, All About Evil. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.